All right, all right. All right, turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 15. Proverbs, chapter 15, as we continue our march through this wonderful, wonderful book. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 12. Uh, verses 8 through 12. And uh, we'll read those here in just a moment. Uh, but we're talking tonight about a true picture of the wicked. And uh, we're going to spend a little time talking about that. So Proverbs chapter 15, for right now, we'll get to the text in just a moment. But, uh, you know, the world, uh, and even the prince of this world, that would be the devil, uh, I think does, when I say a great job, I don't mean it necessarily in a good way, uh, but he has certainly done a good job in deceiving uh, a lot of people, uh, even Christians, I think, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves admiring wicked people. You know, we'll look up to them, and uh, we'll think, uh, wow, you know, wouldn't that be neat to be able to do that or, or to be, even to be like them? And whether, you know, it's a, a singer, an entertainer, actor, a sports star, particularly young people, uh, in other words, uh, anybody with some type of influence, we, we tend to think of those who, what we would consider who have mastered the world, you know. Uh, and in some way, we may even have the tendency to envy them a little bit. Uh, someone that we would might maybe want to emulate in some way. Uh, not necessarily in, in wickedness, but we, we admire them for things maybe that they've accomplished, even though they're not necessarily of spiritual significance. But when it comes to wicked, those that are lost, uh, the Bible certainly paints an entirely different picture you know, of those that are wicked. And it really it's not a pretty picture at all. Um, uh, and we're going to notice what God says about the wicked and how God sees them. Now, the context here is uh, certainly, I believe, talking about those that do not belong to God. And even greater than that, they're actually the enemies of God. In other words, they're anti-God. And so uh, I think the context would be considered lost people. But I believe we can also glean some things, even we as safe people, if we're not careful, uh, we can uh, fall into some of these same uh, ideas. And uh, so if you're physically able tonight, uh, if you're not physically able, certainly I understand that, but if you're physically able in reverence to the Word of God tonight, if you'll stand, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8 through 12, so just a few verses, won't take long. Uh, we're going to read them, then we're going to preach back through them. But notice what verse 8 says. It says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, uh, but the prayer of the upright is his delights. And we see these contrasts between the wicked lost and the saved. It says, The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after the righteous. You know, verse 9, very plain. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord. Something we always need to remember. Verse 10, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Verse 11, uh, Hell uh, that would mean the grave in this particular instance and destruction that would be pertaining to what we know as hell today but it says hell and destruction are before the Lord how much more than the hearts of the children of men so God knows what's going on and then finally verse 12 a scorner loveth not one that reproveth him neither will he go unto the wise not only does he want to hear the truth <laughs> but he don't even want to you know he not not only does he reject the truth he don't even want to hear it and uh, so again we see a true picture of the wicked father we ask your blessing upon the preaching and teaching of the word of god tonight i pray lord that you'll stir our hearts uh, tonight and the father speak to our hearts in a mighty and powerful way lord we'll thank you for it in jesus christ's name we do pray amen and amen all right you can go ahead and be seated i appreciate you standing 
uh, there's really just two points to this uh, message tonight, and we're going to see really some unpleasant truths, again, that we learn about the wicked here. Again, we're just preaching down through the book of Proverbs, taking each uh, passage as it comes. And number one, we're going to see what, what uh, the wicked, concerning the wicked, what they really pursue in life really has to do with self. It's, uh, even though they ha might have some religious things about them, as we'll talk about here in a moment, at the end of the day, they're doing some religious things, but it's still about them and not about God. And God uses a strong word there. He says that's an abomination. In other words, that's something that God hates. And then we're going to talk about, I already mentioned, how the wicked respond to truth. And, and more, more than that, how they re react to being confronted with the truth or, or even disciplined with the truth. And uh, so we're going to see some things here concerning uh, what God has deemed and what God has called the wicked. And so, number one, what the wicked really pursue in life is self-gratification. We see there in verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. It goes on to say, but the prayer of the upright is, is delight. We're focusing mostly on the wicked tonight. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. And again, we see, we've seen this contrast throughout the book of Proverbs of genuine worship versus false worship. Uh, and this really tells us a lot that just because a person has a type of religion, that doesn't really mean much. You know, if you stop and think about it, uh, uh, you know, almost every type of person worships something. You know, uh, doesn't mean they worship God, but they worship things. And even those that are anti-God, even the atheist worships something. Um, Somebody, you know, the wicked always worships something. Uh, and typically, a lot of times, humanism kind of comes to my mind. A lot of people just worship, you know, uh, being a human. In other words, being your own God, worshiping yourself. Uh, and the Bible teaches that the wicked will, will even pretend to worship the true God. In other words, they'll try to drag some of that in there to kind of prop themselves up. And God certainly detests, you know, the, God detests the right things being done with the wrong heart. Amen? I want to say that again. God detests the right things being done, but when you do it with the wrong heart, God is not at all pleased with that at all. In other words, it actually, he calls that an abomination because that's hypocritical. And so worship certainly uh, pleases God, but it's not the, the act of worship itself that pleases God. It's worship from a right heart, that is, from the saved. It's worship from those who truly love him. That's, that's what pleases God. And you see, worship is how, never confuse worship and praise. Praise is, is how, we, how we esteem God outwardly. In other words, we, we shout, we sing, we say amen. We say hallelujah, we, we testify to God's goodness in our life. Worship is different, uh, they're closely related, but worship is how we esteem God in our heart, amen? And that's something that God really knows. And there are some that do things in the name of worship. They might use the word Christian, they might use the word Bible, they might use the word Jesus, they might use the word church, they use all these words that we might be familiar with, but they don't really love God. And God says that's an abomination. So how we worship God is, is how we esteem him, in our heart, esteem him in our hearts. And he knows 
the motivation behind our praise. He knows if we're really worshiping, but a lot of folks are in the name of worship. The motivation is, 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 is it's, not, it, it's for themselves. You know, if you find yourselves worshiping God uh, for an emotional high, if you will, that's self-worship. That's, that's not esteeming God. That, that is, it's all about you and not about God. And so that you can't be worshiping yourself and God at the same time. Worship is not some mere ritual, you know, doing some religious things. Oh, I'm worshiping God by doing this religious act. God's not impressed with that. He knows if it's just a mere ritual. He knows if it's just a sense of duty or obligation. You punch your spiritual time clock on Sunday, uh, maybe a Wednesday night. Hey, listen, that's not worship, amen? Hey, God knows that. And he knows that God calls that wicked because really you're pursuing what you're pursuing. You call it worship, but it's really still all about self. And God is more interested in our heart not the actual act of our sacrifices. David said, a broken and contrite heart. That's what, that's what pleases God. And that's not to say sacrifices are not important, because they are. Sacrifices are important, but the heart must be right with God if the sacrifice is going to be right. And you can, you can quote, unquote, sacrifice for God with a wrong heart, and God hates that. So it's more about the heart uh, than the sacrifice. The wicked really pursue in life really is all about self. Verse 9, look at it, it's very clear. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord. Why does God hate the sacrifices of the wicked so much? Because they are doing religious type things uh, not to honor God, but really to please themselves. You say, well, well Pastor, what do you mean? Because I believe that, 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 that in some way the wicked, when they, when they worship God, but they're trying to please self, they're, they're trying to straddle the fence. They, they, want, they want to live for the world, but they want the security of God too, you see. And they know their hearts are not right, so they, they try to make that, that up with some religious activity. Now we're into, well, as long as my good religious, long as my religious acts outweigh my bad acts, then hey, I'm good to go. And God says that's an abomination. That's what wicked people do, because it's still all about self. They're attempting to, to ease their conscience, to try to nullify their guilt, perhaps. You know, only God knows hearts, but God's not going to have none of that, because that's a self-pleasing attitude, trying to be done in His name. And God doesn't like that. doesn't like that at all. Because it really, God knows the, their true pursuit in life is, is not Him, but themselves. They're just trying to, trying to have it both ways. So number one, this is what the wicked really pursue in life, really is self-pleasing, even when they add religious things to it, because they want to please self first, and then try to please God, if you will, uh, second. And that certainly will never, never work. Number two, how the wicked respond to real truth and correction. You know, nobody likes to be told they're wrong, do they? <laughs> Including me. Notice verse 10. Notice verse 10. It says, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. Uh, and he that hateth reproof, reproof shall die. Let's go ahead and read verse 11 and 12 too. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more then the hearts of the children of men? A scorner loveth not. One that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. 
you know, it's amazing that some may think they can do religious activity and still believe that just because they're doing this religious activity, despite their heart is not right, that God's okay with that. And that's certainly not true. And really it goes back to what we do with Jesus Christ and, and what we believe about him. Uh, for some, I, I'm afraid that, that Christ, uh, you know, uh, we, we tend to give God an intellectual nod. How many times do I talk to people about the Lord? And usually one of the first, well, I believe there's a God. And they kind of give God a nod. And they treat Christ the same way. Christ in many ways, in a lot of the mainline so-called denominations out there, Christ, from what I can see, is really just a mere token. Christ is just another step, if you will, to reach God. They don't, what I'm saying is they don't see him as the Savior. They don't see him as deity. They don't see him as God, and he is God. Uh, they don't see Jesus as the sacrifice, listen, for their sin. Because they think their work's getting them to heaven, not Jesus Christ. Yeah, they, yeah, praise the Lord, Jesus Christ. And, and they'll, they'll say things about Jesus. But at the end of the day, what are they doing? They're saying, well, I've, I've done some religious things. I, hey, my good outweighs my bad, so I'm going to heaven. Jesus is just kind of in the mix of all of that. Oh, boy. But what did Jesus say? No one comes unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. And so for some, Christ just a mere token. They don't see him as their Savior, don't see him as a sacrifice for their sin. And they're still dependent on their works. God wouldn't ever send me to hell. I'm a good old boy. And there's going to be a lot of good old boys in hell. They think little of Christ. And the reason they think little of Christ, why, why would someone think of Christ that way? Well, because you think little of your sin. You don't see your sin as serious as you need to see it. You don't understand your, your unbelief, if you will. They don't see Christ, again, as saving them from their sin. And that's, that's sad. They feel their sin is taken care of. By what? By their religious activity. I just do a few good things here and there and obey the laws and hey as long as i just kind of be religious every once in a while hey it's okay uh, i don't i don't need to fall upon my knees before this savior and beg him to forgive me of my sin and repent of my sins and come into my heart i don't need to do all that and jesus he didn't die for that folks by the way that's the epitome of self-righteousness it's <laughs> thinking you can go to heaven uh, without Christ, amen? And most people who, who feel that way, uh, again, this is, this is the context here is lost people, most people who feel this way all have one thing in common. When they do hear the truth or something biblical that goes against their thinking, they reject it. They usually get angry about it. and say, well, you're just judging me. Well, it's not, you know. Hey, listen, if, if the Bible is preached and you feel conviction, it ain't the preacher judging you, it's the Word of God that's judging you. A sign of self-righteousness is hating and rejecting biblical correction. Amen. Anybody that hears the Word of God and know that they're living in defiance of the Word of God and gets upset about it, you, my friend, are self-righteous. <laughs> because you think you're good enough without all that. 
And that's a dangerous place to be. A sign of self-righteousness is hating, rejecting biblical correction. It's not seeing Christ as your Savior as you should. That's self-righteousness. And boy, howdy, do the wicked hate correction. And uh, it's getting worse every day. Notice verse 10, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh, his, forsaketh the way. And he that hateth reproof shall die. And when I read that verse, I'm still not 100% sure. You know, correction is grievous. In other words, they don't like hearing it. Or does it mean when they don't follow the correction, it brings some grief in their life? I believe both could be true. Um, I, I'm not theologically capable enough to tell you which one's which there, but I do believe that they could be true. I, I tend to see it when I first read it. My, my first instinct is to say that they don't like hearing the truth. That's grievous to them. But it could mean that it brings some terrible things in their life, and that's certainly true too, right? I mean, you can't reject the truth, especially when you hear it, uh, and think you're going to walk away unscathed from that. <laughs> And it may seem, you know, sometimes we, you know, we talked about envying the wicked. It may seem sometimes the wicked don't suffer, but hey, they, they probably suffer more than you know and think. Uh, they do suffer, and surely if they continue in that way, they will certainly, certainly suffer. They may not admit it. They may, you know, never admit those sleepless nights and those cold sweats, and uh, they try not to think about death, and, you know, that terrifies them that one day they may shut their eyes for the last time, and they're just not sure where they're going to be when that happens. They may not admit it, but it's there. So it is grievous, especially when you're confronted with that, and you're not right with God. They suffer with guilt, especially when exposed with the truth. And they wonder, again, you know, to me this is a terrible way to live, but they wonder without any certainty about eternity. Could you imagine living your life? I talked to a man the other day at prison, and you know, he just he's convinced that hey, none of us are gonna know until we until we wake up on the other side. He said, I hope I'm in heaven, but I don't know if I'm gonna be or not. I'm trying. That's what he said. I'm trying. I'm you know, me, 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 I, I, I. Sounds noble, but at the end of the day, that's wickedness. That's taking Jesus and saying, I don't I don't need to depend on Christ. I'm hey, I'm either gonna get to heaven on my own or I'm not gonna make it at all. That's wickedness. That's looking up at the cross and seeing the blood fall from Jesus Christ and saying, I don't need that. Amen. Hey, listen. Unbelief's a terrible thing. And certainly those that feel that way, they will at times struggle with purpose and fulfillment in life. God certainly isn't going to give them any lasting peace. Typically, they don't handle problems well. They blow up. They get mad. They also struggle uh, on the other side. I think that there's some things. They could struggle with disease and tragedy. Now, we have to be careful with that. Only God knows the real reasons why people go through what they go through. But the Bible certainly reveals that, uh, again, when we don't live for the Lord, it can bring some trouble into your life that might have otherwise been avoided. The Bible certainly teaches us that. But the worst thing, that those that... that uh, 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 that, that correction is grievous to, hey, listen, the worst thing they'll suffer for their stubbornness if they don't get saved, if they don't change their ways, is they're going to suffer eternal death. That's hell. And by the way, that's what uh, the last part of that verse, what I understand, is talking about. And he that hateth reproof shall die. 
And that's not talking about physical death because those that don't hate reproof will die. You know, saved people die a physical death. So what that's talking about there is spiritual death. They need to be saved. The wicked have to remember they can't fool an all-knowing God. You know, that's, that's what's amazing about this sometimes. You know, some people can go through life with their religious words and their religious activity and be lost as a goose. And they might have others fooled. They probably even have themselves fooled and convinced. But God's not fooled. God knows it all. Amen. Look at verse 11. It says, Hell and destruction are before the Lord. That's talking about death, but it's also talking about even hell. That word destruction reference to, to hell, the lake of fire, if you will. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. He knows who's there, what's going on. And he says, how much more than the hearts of the children of men. You know, sometimes we think we're the only ones that know what's in our heart and in our mind. That's not true. God knows what's in your heart and your mind. Amen. God sees what we cannot see. God sees those who are, are dead, physical death, and uh, certainly he sees those that, that are separated from him forever. Again, that eternal destruction. You and I, we cannot see into hell. They, we don't see what eternal destruction is, but God sees it. He's fully aware of it. But I believe the emphasis here, though, is to get us to understand that God also sees the heart. He sees the inside of every human being. He knows them. Death and hell are exposed to God, and every human heart is also exposed to God. You know, we, we, hey, listen, God knows why you're doing what you're doing. You hear me? And God knows why you're not doing what you're not what you're doing. We have all these reasons why we do this, and we have all these reasons why we don't do this, and we articulate those, and we've got so good at explaining it that we don't even realize it sometimes. But listen, at the end of the day, God knows why you do what you do, and God knows why you don't do what you don't do. God really knows. Amen. And every once in a while, some ornery, leather-lunged Baptist preacher reminds you of it, and it just kind of irritates you a little bit, don't it? I'm glad. That's my job. <laughs> so God knows all evil hearts. He knows all hypocrites. He knows what self-righteousness is. And again, he knows the real reasons, our motivations, why we do what we do and don't do what we don't do. Certainly God knows who truly belongs to him, and he knows those who don't belong to him. He knows those who have merely a form of godliness uh, but not enough to lead to repentance. They know about God, and they know they're supposed to say amen. They know they're supposed to put money in the plate. Uh, they know they're supposed to be quiet. They, they know they're supposed to clap. They, they know all these things, but they're not right with God. <laughs> and I believe many of our church houses are full of people like that, and that's sad. We have a form of godliness, but we're not right. And there's a way to see who these people are. It says there in verse 12, and this is how you can always, you know, God gives us an idea how we can pick these people out, these that claim religion but are really not saved. Verse 12, a scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. 
those that like to kind of toy around and play games with God and play games with righteousness and think it's kind of cute to be a little rebellious towards uh, the things of God and those who play church, uh, pay their dues, if you will, superficially know about God. Proverbs 15, 12 really tells us how to spot them. In other words, you know, if you, if, you, know, if you shake things up a little bit, uh, some things will start happening. And the one thing that stands out more than anything is they hate correction. <laughs> People that have a form of religion but are not saved, they hate the truth. They don't like it at all. They run backwards on you in a minute. And boy, when you they start when they start hearing things how you ought to how Christians ought to do this and how Christians ought do, ought not do that, boy, they'll get all mad on you in a minute. Well, that's why I don't go to that church down there. Well, they don't know what they're talking about. They're all judgmental. They're all a bunch of hypocrites down there. Hey, that's a sure sign of somebody that's got a form of religion but it's not right with God, especially if they're rejected what the Word of God says. They get angry at reproof. They run from it. And they don't only hate reproof, but they hate the ones that are doing the reproofing. The reproofer, if you will. <laughs> they don't like that. They don't want to hear it. And it, the, the thing here is, is you know, they, they hear something they don't like, but it's not like they go out and search the truth somewhere else. They just say, well, I'm just not going to do that anymore. They don't like it when the Bible is preached. And the last part of that verse reveals that. Neither will he go unto the wise. <laughs> That's why a lot of people don't like Bible preaching churches. They don't like that. They won't go to the wise. They won't go to the truth. They're convinced in their sin. Their heart is like iron, and they don't want the truth. And that's sad. My heart breaks for them. These type of people, instead of relenting, they ignore, they avoid the truth, and they're more comfortable around the worldly. They're more comfortable than they are. They're more comfortable in their sin than they are being around the godly and the good things of God. So they rebel. Those who bear strong witness of the Lord, they don't want to be around that. Very uncomfortable with those types of people. So here's the challenge. How about you tonight? And again, the context here is lost people, but I think even as safe people, we could glean some things. I, I know there's been times in my life, especially when I was a young Christian, I'd hear something preached that, that I was doing and I didn't like it, and I would try to search the Scriptures myself and try to justify it in every way, get upset, get mad. Finally, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? God's right, I'm wrong. <laughs> I should have done this in the first place. <laughs> Amen. So we're all there. How do you respond to biblical correction? How do you respond to, to when you're confronted with something that you're doing or not doing and, and the preacher preaches on that and he's preaching the word of God? And how, do you, how do you respond to that? You might ask yourself, what or who am I really fighting against? You know, um, A lot of times people are fighting against the church, they're fighting against the preacher, they're fighting against whatever, but at the end of the day they're just fighting against what the Bible says, <laughs> which means they're fighting against God. So we need to always remember that. And I'm not saying, hey, listen, go to the scriptures. It's, hey, if preacher preaches something, you're not sure about it. Hey, he's just a man. He can make a mistake. Go to the word of God. But don't just reject it because you don't like it. <laughs> Amen? So what's a picture, a true picture of the wicked? The wicked really only pursue self-gratification. 
even religious things. They're really just doing them for self at the end of the day. Number two, the wicked don't like being confronted with biblical truth. They'll always rebel against it. And again, the context, I believe, is those without Christ. But sometimes believers, we can struggle with these things to a certain degree. Every one of us can struggle with things sometimes. And so the invitation tonight would be this, just simply ask God to reveal you what might really be in your heart tonight. You know, every once in a while I think that, you know, typically the Wednesday night crowd is your, your, your core bunch, your faithful bunch, and I praise the Lord, and chances are everybody in here tonight's saved, and I hope that's true. Only God knows hearts. But sometimes, as I mentioned at the beginning of this message, sometimes we can, you know, we, you know we're kind of looking across the fence, aren't we? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Wow. Right? It's kind of how we are. I mean, you know, we're just that way. We was that way when we was kids. Mom and dad said, don't, don't cross that. What do we do? We just get right up here, you know, right beside. I'm not even crossed it yet, but I'm right there. <laughs> a lot of us live our Christian life that way, don't we? And then the preacher gets up and preaches something. He just kind of rubs your fur the wrong way. You just need to ask God to speak to your heart. Ask God, what, what, what is it that God is revealing to you? What really might be in your heart tonight? And I hope and pray that you're living for the Lord. I know I could do better. I... I uh, slip and, and everything that I've pointed out tonight I am guilty of at one point or another and I'll probably be guilty of it again. But we need to be reminded of some things, don't we? And so if God's speaking to your heart in any way, most of all, if you're not saved tonight, I just want to encourage you to come and get things right with the Lord. First of all, that's the most important thing you need to do. If you are living for the Lord, maybe things are going well for you. Just come and say, Lord, help me to, help me to stay that way. Help me not to get envious of the things of this world. Uh, Lord, help me not to, not to ease up on some things. Help me not to go to the way, the easy way. Help me to stay true and separated to the things of God. Amen? I mean, that's, that's what we need to do. And Lord, if there's some things in my life that I'm struggling with and uh, God keeps revealing those things to me, maybe you just need to come pray about that tonight and ask God to get a hold of your heart. So let's all stand as Brother Brad. He'll begin to play some music for us. We've got a little time here to spend in prayer. Uh, it's prayer time, you know, just because you come to the altar doesn't mean you have some issues in your life. Maybe you just want to come pray for a lost loved one. Maybe you got some things going on, some health issues you'd like to pray about, uh, some folks you'd like to pray about. Come pray for the church. Uh, come pray for revival. All types of things that we could pray about tonight.